You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. And this is an episode of Hear and Obey, where we are reading the passage of Scripture that was just preached. For us, it was yesterday as we record this on Monday afternoon. Uh, we are in Exodus 6, 10 through 30. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and I'm joined by Matt Groon today. And so we're going to be reading and tackling this uh, this passage with an extended genealogy right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And as Greg dealt with in that sermon, kind of highlighting you know, all the questions that raises for us. So I'm looking forward, Matt, to talking through this text with you. And yeah. and as always, you know, our focus is not just to understand it with our minds. We want to know what the text means first and foremost, and then we want to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. And and it's definitely, Greg mentioned this in his sermon, um, it, it when you come to a genealogy, it's hard to imagine being affected yeah. positively in any way. You know, it's kind of just skim through it, skip over the names that are hard to pronounce. How could there be anything there to stir our hearts or mm. our minds? But we believe that all scriptures God breathed, including this text. Yes. So here we go. Uh, Exodus 6, we are in verses 10 through 30. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and put Pharaoh king of Egypt and about Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the, the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei, by their clans, the sons of Kohath, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Malai, and Mushai. These are the clans of the Levites, according to their generations. Amram took as his wife, Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him, Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife, Elishabah, the daughter of Aminadab, and the sister of Nashon. And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, the sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Hmm. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would cause your word 
to be that implanted word in us that produces life in us, sanctifies us, uh, transforms us by your power and your spirit. So bless this word as we talk about it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, man. Got through it. <laughs> he did really great. Yeah. Don't think I said them all correctly, but... You uh, just got to <laughs> say it with confidence. It. That's right. That's right. <laughs> wow. Observations. That's where we like to start. What, what do you notice? What's going on? What stands out to you? What do we notice about themes, patterns, repetition, mm. structure? Some of those things are just high-level observations, and, and that can get us moving in a text mm. when we... Yeah, first thought is, well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to get out of that? Yeah. We just start with, well, what do you see? What's going on? Man, you, (laughs) I think Greg was exactly right. I mean, the first thing you notice about the text is it's there. Yeah. Um, Can't miss it. You can't miss it. And it does, it does just feel like a handbrake is thrown right on the cusp of, you know, God is promising deliverance. Now you shall see what I'm about to do to Pharaoh. And you're like, yes, let's go. Plagues, fire it up. All right, let's talk about where you came from. <laughs> there's this, <laughs> there's this grinding halt, and so the effect that that has on the reader, um, and I think this is just genius. I mean, this is part of the genius of the of the authors of Scripture, inspired by God to write. But they're just great authors. Hmm. They tell really good stories, and the fact that we feel that like that train, you know, when that train brake gets thrown, and it's meant to ask the question, you know, if you were in a train and it slammed on the brakes, yeah. you would ask, what's what going on? <laughs> Why, yeah. Why are we happen? stopping? Um, yeah. And, you know, so that's the first question we have to ask. And it, that should inform what, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, whatever we're moving towards as far as what does the text mean has mm-hmm. to be informed with just that first big observation. Yeah. Why did Moses include this now? Right. Why did he include it here? And so that has to, that has to kind of inform us. But I think, you know, you have to f- deal with the fact right up front that there is a clear book ending to this text. Yeah, yeah there's which, this obvious structure. Right. So, it, you know, which is, um, I was talking about this in my huddle this morning, um, you know, just kind of behind the curtain a little bit about, uh, you know, sermon planning for, for us. Why, why do we choose the texts that we choose as we walk through a book? You know, what, why don't we just go chapter by chapter? Mm. Um, first of all, the chapters are inspired. They're not you know, they're yeah. about hundreds of years later added into it just for, to help us navigate, um, and often aren't helpful. Uh, this, the fact that it, uh, why did we, why did Greg take, ten, uh, six, 10 through the end of the chapter? Yeah. What makes that a unit? Right. And what makes it a unit? And this is exactly right. I think Greg's head on is, uh, this book ending, mm-hmm. um, the, the technical term is an inclusio. Uh, it, there's a front and a back. It's the same. It's almost a mirror image. And what that effect is supposed to have is point you to the middle, to the important stuff. So this text both begins with God having a conversation with Moses, and God tells him, reiterates the mission. Moses responds with, I can't. I'm scared. I'm, they won't listen to me. I'm uncircumcised lips. And then you have the genealogy, and yeah. then you have another retelling of the same story. So... Um, that should, when we come to that second one, that should clue us in something in the middle there was important. And, and I, I didn't notice this on Sunday or this morning, but Ryan, when you were reading it this time, I noticed there are many inclusios within the actual genealogy. Mm. So, you know, statements like, um, these are the heads of the fathers of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben. So heading mm-hmm. the firstborn of Israel, bunch of sons, bunch of sons. These are the clans of Reuben. Mm-hmm. The sons of Simeon, bunch of sons, bunch of sons, bunch of sons. These are uh, the son of Canaanite. These are the clans of Simeon. So you have these like, 
you have these units yep. operating. Yep. Um, and then, so when you have repetition in narrative like this, you're asking, when does the pattern change? Because mm. when the pattern changes, it's usually when the author's trying to communicate something particular. And the pattern doesn't change until we get to the Levi. Yeah. Um, and then it explores into the house of Levi. And then you have the ending doing to kind of finish blocking that in verse uh, 25. These are the heads of the father's houses, which is, which is cluing us back to verse 14. So yep. if you think of it as like a stairs, like a pyramid, it's starting big, setting off the, the per- perimeters, and then it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. until there's a middle. And the middle is where yeah. I think Moses is meaning to bring us. Yeah. And, and, that break in pattern is significant mm. that uh, it starts with the heads of the first two sons of Jacob, uh, Reuben and Simeon, and then Levi. And you would expect it to keep going through right. all of the sons of Jacob, all of the tribes of Israel. So the fact that once we get to Levi, then we drill down. Reuben and Simeon are only addressed them and their sons, you've got two generations, yep. that's it. You get to Levi, and now you, I think there are four or five generations mm-hmm. recounted here, down to Moses and Aaron, and then beyond them, even Moses yeah. and Aaron's children who haven't factored into the story yet, uh, even some of their grandsons, I believe, mm-hmm. who are going to come up later on. you got to get into numbers to hear about yeah. them, but these people come up again. So all of that really serves to put the spotlight right. on clearly the, the clan of Levi, the tribe of Levi is significant. A- and then in particular in that line, Aaron and Moses, even mm-hmm. just that language in verse 26, these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt about bringing out the people of Israel, mm-hmm. this Moses and yeah. this Aaron. So, so again, you have this explicit signpost. Mm-hmm. The author is saying, I'm talking about these guys and I'm I'm giving an account of <laughs> who they are, where they come yeah. from, right at such a crucial time in the narrative where it's all in jeopardy. Yeah. Like M- Moses took step 1. He went to Egypt, he talked to the people, he talked to Pharaoh. It got worse. The people mm-hmm. said, "Get out of here. You've made our lives miserable." So Moses is back to never mind. I I knew I couldn't. I knew this was a bad idea. Should <laughs> never have come. A- and then we've got a genealogy. Yeah in the middle to keep things moving. Yeah. And that, I mean, this, um, uh, behold, the people of Israel do not listen to me. How then should they listen to me and to Pharaoh for or for I am of uncircumcised lips. That is intentionally th- this kind of, he's, he's referencing his mouth. Yeah. He's referencing this. It's not so much the uncircumcisedness. It's his lips. Mm. It's, he's still, yeah, it, it should hearken us problem. It should hearken us back to four ten where he says, I'm slow of speech. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. This is not working. They are not listening to me because of me, because yeah. I can't speak. And you keep saying this stuff and I keep doing it. And the results so far have been, yeah, it's been a failure. Yeah. Um, so I guess Ryan, help us out here. Okay, great. Inclusio repetition fun. It's good for you guys to, you know, study about all this. Mm. What is it? What is Moses trying to communicate to us? on the eve of the 10 plagues, um, on the eve of failure with, with Pharaoh, on the, or, or just after, um, just after God has made promises that he will do something, well, what the heck is Moses doing bringing out yeah. his family tree? Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but uh, I, I think that uh, the points that Greg made in that sermon were so helpful mm-hmm. that genealogies, just by 
drawing our attention to history. Yeah. It's one thing you can read the names in rapid succession and just fly through generations and kind of lose track of the sense that like you're covering hundreds and hundreds of years. You get that because this one does draw, you know, one of the features in, in the pattern is highlighting the life of Levi, 137 years, life of Kohath, 133 years, life of Amram, 137 years. So for some reason, those three are singled out. They all lived about the same amount of time, but even just the bigness of that number should be a reminder. Well, we're, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, so it's anchoring all of this in God's activity, not just on that, you know, whatever day of the week it was mm-hmm. when Moses is appearing before Pharaoh when he's got an appointment there, but stretching back to, and like we've been doing in the sermon series, highlighting all the way back in Genesis 15, this mm-hmm. promise that God made to Abraham there when he establishes covenant, God told him, I'm going to bring your descendants. They're going to be oppressed for four generations, and then I'm going to bring them out. And look, here we are in the fourth generation. This is, it, It's a fulfillment, the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. So it just... It should be reminding the original audience as well as us today, God is at work yeah. above and beyond and outside of what we see right in front of us. Yeah, that's, I think that's exactly right. I think the you know genealogies, okay, yes, they can have a... When, when, it, when we, we are in the midst of our Bible reading plan, genealogies can have some... Blah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, let's just... Like, like Great Not said. Not the most exciting. Maybe skip over it. Literature skim style. Skim it at best. Yeah. But, and I think this is critical, I think we feel detached, or the reason why we're bored from it, bored of it, is because we feel detached from it. Yeah. Like, if I saw my genealogy laid out in yes. the, the generations listed here, I would be pouring over that. I'd be like, this is awesome, trying to show, look, there's a genealogy, you know, like you said here, hundreds of years back. So let's look, let's trace the family line of Matt all the way back into the 1600s in the Netherlands and, and find that. And we are, you know, it, it often is said, and you know, we, we've talked about this before, but that we are story informed people. Like we mm-hmm. humans love a good story. And what is a genealogy other than the story of a family yeah. um, of, of who came from where and who, you know, and, and so on. Um, I just think, I mean, I, you watch HGTV and Chip and Joanna Gaines and wh- whoever it is. Why do people love old stuff? Like mm. we want to have that cool mantle. And they always inevitably, and I just picked up on this a couple of weeks ago when Jamie was watching this and I, I just picked up, they just keep saying things like, it just has such a cool story. Mm. This room has mm. such a cool story. It's got this mantle from this barn from a hundred yeah. years ago. And you're bringing in, because what it does is you're bringing it's in... Artifact. Add artifact yeah. from a days gone by. Mm. Um, artifacts from the past in order to uh, inform us. And we just love that it's stuff. The history. And we're connected with it. And there's yeah. like, it's tactile. Like, oh, there's a mantle that was, yeah. you know, hung in a, this barn however right. long ago. And it's meant to communicate to us. And I think this is, I really do think this is why Moses puts it in. Because remember, what did we just hear? Moses is doubting God's word. He's doubting God's promise that he will deliver. And he's accusing God of not upholding his word, of upholding his promise. You've done evil to us. And God makes a promise right then and there. You will now see, you're about to see what I'm about to do. And he's about, which are all promises. Okay. Well, this genealogy is meant to bring us to show us just to just the past 400 years Mm -hmm. from when God has been keeping his promises. And then you just said Genesis 15 highlights 
God's been keeping his promises from the very beginning. This is not a new thing. So I think what Moses is doing here is is highlighting, maybe preaching to himself, that God keeps his word. And he's a, you know, as he turns his face forward, um, instead of pausing, you know, here he pauses to look back. And we're about to move forward where God is going to act and fulfill all the promises that he's made that I will bring you out of that mm-hmm. land mm-hmm. Um, and you will see the wonders of God. And so That's right. I, I really do think the genealogy here is meant to facilitate in Moses first mm-hmm. to the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan and to us, God is always working to, to fulfill his promises. I mean, each of these names, like you say, we... We just blow through these names. We're just trying to... Yeah, because they don't mean anything They don't mean anything. We're just trying to pronounce them, right? And they keep going. But to think of them, and this is why stories are so important. Like, if I were to read my genealogy and think of my great-great-great-great-grandfather in the Netherlands and see his name, in my mind, I'm asking questions like, what was life like for him? Like, what did he do? What was was his occupation? What did he look like? Yeah, what what did he look like? You know, what was his family like? Where did they live? sound like? It's exactly right. And what we're doing is trying to show that... There's, we're trying to find a connection between the distant past mm. to us now. Yeah. And what God's doing, what Moses is doing here is showing the thing that connected all these people is God's faithfulness. Mm. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's what he's, he's showing. Yeah. Genealogies. Greg said yesterday, um, he, he referred to Ancestry.com um, <laughs> and, and said something about, you know, kind of implied you, you might be, that might sound boring to you. Yeah. And, and I, I was thinking... Oh no, ancestry.com. Like if it's my family tree, I love that stuff. Yeah. That's fascinating. And even if somebody hasn't gotten into the world of their own genealogy, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody in Barbara's family had put together a book with pictures and stories mm-hmm. of past generations and those who came over from the Netherlands. And like you, you get that, you sit down, you just start turning the pages and looking at pictures and reading people's names. And it's mm-hmm. just like to know. You know, for her, that this is my family. These are the people that I descend from. Yeah. It's incredibly significant. So you read a genealogy and you reduce a person's entire life to their name, <laughs> that and name. their children, <laughs> and, their, and then yeah, and then another name. And there's a mm. there's a life. Yeah. So so much is packed into that, but because it's a it's a thread, it's a stream, mm. it, it, and it's connected. It, it's a reminder to the people alive there. You're downstream from this, and. I think we have a tendency to think so individualistically about yeah. ourselves as as if we just exist on our own, kind of free floating. Uh, but but we don't. We're, we're not like a bunch of individual marbles in a box. Yeah. Hey, here we are, all in the same box, and that's what we have in common. No, we're, we're a lot more like leaves on a tree, hmm. growing off of branches that are connected and and related. Um, and, and just getting that idea that we stand downstream from others and there have been faithful people who went before us and there are people coming after us. And so our lives are going to have significance far beyond what we can even get our heads around. I, I just think this biblical way of thinking genealogies matter in scripture. Yeah. There's a certain, um, value of family and parenthood and children and, um, continuity and generations, all of that wrapped up here that it, it should matter. Um, you know, going back to Genesis 15, I think the, the verse that stands out verse 16, when, when God is telling Abraham about this time, you know, your descendants are going to be oppressed. And eventually after 400 years, I'll bring judgment on that nation. They serve verse 16 says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. Hmm. 
And I think that's a key to understanding this genealogy, that when you count the generations from the time that they were oppressed, light bulbs should be going on for Moses, who's doubting, mm. and for the people of Israel, who's doubting. This is it. We're, we're in the fourth generation. Right. So again, it's Time's still up. a matter of it's only going to have any... Uh, effect by faith. If they don't trust God's word, it's going to have exactly right. no bearing, no yeah. effect, no power. The timeline only means anything to them if they trust if God's If you word. believe it. If you yeah. believe the promise, though, it is going to cause great joy, mm-hmm. peace, mm-hmm. Uh, expectancy. All of those things are going to be stirred up because you go, oh, God said, right. and we trust him. Yeah. It's just, you know, it really is setting up. We got to keep in mind, God speaks and he acts. It's There's word and deed. And so you put your, yourself in the shoes of Moses. You put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites. You've heard, you've heard it all. <laughs> you've heard promises. You've heard I wills. You've got Moses showing up saying, God said this. Um, and their inclination is, okay, we'll see. At least that would be my inclination. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. But in fact, actually, you know what we did see? Harder work. Yeah. More oppression. Yeah. Got things, worse. Got, things got worse. Um, and so how, how quickly the uh, the temptation to unbelief just like pounces on people. Um, and it's just so interesting, you know, we're right on, you and I are sitting here today, you know, thousands of years later, looking at our Bibles, knowing that in chapter seven, we yeah. have the first plague. 10, 14 yeah, verses from now, page. it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, them, there, then happening, yeah. we don't see it. And we know what that fear and anxiety feels like. Oh, don't we? When you, you can't turn the page, you just have to live the next day. Right. It, and that, that speaks to the story of people, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you look at each of these names on the generations, they didn't know that they were a part of this. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know? Uh, I, I, think it's ex- I think Greg was exactly right. I mean, to, to draw this genealogy to the, tru- the, the greater genealogy mm-hmm. in Matthew 1, mm-hmm. which is the lineage of Jesus. You think these people, especially at this time, you know, there's no David. There's no, uh, you know, I mean, sure you have Judah, yeah. but you don't have much in there. Not but other than apparently there's a scepter, you know, right. okay, great. <laughs> and you don't have David coming up in all these things. Right. You're stuck in captivity and slavery and oppression. Yeah. And these names on this, on this page, they didn't know they were a part of this lineage that would then ultimately produce yeah. the Messiah. In fact, what's there are a lot of features of this genealogy that you could drill down into and mm. kind it's, of... It is unique, too. Yeah. It, it features um, a lot of women. Mm. Um, and, and some of the marriage relationships here are actually, um, later on, when the law comes down from Sinai, some of these very marriages would be unlawful. Right. And so from this point, when you're standing right here looking back, mm. they don't have a great track record. No. You know, their forefather, the one that they're all named after, Israel, is um, married to, he's got multiple wives. He's married to two sisters who are alive at the same time, which is later on, God's law given, that's not allowed. (laughs) And the whole (laughs) nation descends from him. (laughs) The whole thing's built on that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you've got somebody married to, well, is it Aaron? Yeah, his Uh, aunt or something? Yeah. Amram, oh, so Moses and Aaron's dad, Amram took as his wife, Jochebed, his father's sister. That's also not going to be allowed. So y- you stand here looking back, and, and they, there's not really any reason to boast mm. or take pride in and of themselves, which 
I don't know, I, I wonder here, this is more just speculating what is God doing at this point with this genealogy, but when Moses is standing there saying things like, I am a man of uncircumcised lips, hmm. unclean lips, I'm not fit for this. Yeah. This reminder, like, none of you are fit, <laughs> right. and I picked you. That's exactly I, right. It, it just, yeah. it, the grace of God on display hmm. in that, it's just not ever about us. Right. It's about God who chooses us not we always want to know but yeah but why would he choose me or why would he choose this person and and, and when we ask the why we're looking for some reason in us what, right what did he see in me what what reason did he choose me and not somebody else and the, the reason is never in the one who's chosen it's mm-hmm. always it, it pleased god it was yeah. god's good pleasure that that's what grace means yeah it, it, it when you speak there it reminds me of what moses will say as his parting goodbye, his, his last sermon to the people on the east side of the Jordan in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, for you, he's speaking to the nation, are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. But <laughs> it was not because of you. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you yeah. and is keeping the oath he swore to his father. So the reason why, why does he love this nation? Because of a promise he made to a guy hundreds and hundreds of years before. Well, why did he choose that guy? We don't know. It just be, he loved him. Genesis 11. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and yeah. said, go. Yeah. The, I, that, that, what that does, you're exactly right. That should just level us yeah. and say, no, God should, this is, you know, in our, in our doctrinal conviction, we believe this, you know, this is the doctrine of unconditional election. I, God did not choose me. He, he chose me based on no condition of my own. Mm. I, I offered nothing to the table. He came and chose me. And when I say to, you know, th- that should just level me in my humility. Yeah. And then Moses goes on, but it's because he loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, King of Egypt. So he's he's reaching back into the history, mm. saying God did this, and now know therefore your Lord, the Lord your God, is faithful, the faithful God who is who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep commandments to a thousand generations. Yeah. So so how do you know the faithfulness of God? You look back to past generations. That's and right. You trace His hand. He's been faithful all the way down, all the way along. Yeah. And don't we need that? Like, oh. not what genealogists do is yes, they force us to open our lens up into the vast history of mm-hmm. hundreds of mm-hmm. years, or you know, in our day, more like you know, 50, 60 years. But man, don't I need that in my life just right now? Don't I just yeah. need to open my perspective lens? Let's just say one year. Right. What has God done in, in, in you know in Jamie and I's story? What has God done for our family in the past mm-hmm. two years? Mm-hmm. The faithfulness of God has been evident day after day after day. So when I today doubt him in his promises, I, it's because my, my lens is so focused on my current circumstances that I just like any cracking of that lens out a little bit should humble me. Yeah. With a view toward gratitude and Mm -hmm. we're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. So coming up in a, in a couple days, you know, as a nation, we, we pause, everybody takes a break, gathers with family to give thanks. And as Christians, we know the only appropriate way to give thanks is to give thanks to God. Yeah. And and just that practice of pausing to think, what do I have to be thankful for? What what ought I 
to thank God for? Mm-hmm. Um, how has he been good to me? How has he been faithful? It, it, you're right. It just changes everything drastically because we can be so zeroed in on our problems, mm-hmm. our, our trials, uh, challenges that we're just not even thinking at all of anything to thank God for. And, right. and you zoom out a little bit and you realize, oh yeah, he has, he has never let me down. He has never failed. He has always been good. And, and that passage you're reading out of Deuteronomy is so powerful. God is just affirming, or you know, Moses is t- reminding the people, he loves you. Yeah. He has kept his oath mm-hmm. to you. He has been faithful to you. He saved you. He saved you. Yeah. That's who he is for you. That's yeah. who he will continue to be. So Right. Hold on. That, that's the... To, that's, the point, the reason why Moses is giving that speech at yeah. that time is because he's about to die yeah. and they're about to go across the Jordan and take the land that God promised you. So he's telling the people, when you go over and you start actually having to enflesh your faith, you, you will have to be obedient to the promises of God. No, don't forget what he's already done. Yeah. Because they're so quick to do it, and so are we. That, that's the point of looking back, yeah. Mm. And that's I'm glad you highlight that, because otherwise, you know, if, if the point is just stop and look back, wh- why? Yeah. Wh- what good does that do us? Well, stop and look back so that you are reminded in your mind and encouraged and strengthened in your heart to believe as you go forward into the mm. future, this is who God will continue to be. Right. That, we're familiar with that in, um, well... Product reviews, and um, you know, people put together a resume, and they have references, and right. we we want to look at how has what's this track record for right. this person or this product? How has it performed in the past, and why? Because we want to know: can I count on it in the future? Which way is it trending? Yes, yeah. and so so it's it's really about tomorrow. Right. This is who God will be for me tomorrow, and I can be sure of that by remembering what he's done in the past. And, and what this particular genealogy does is it really does force us to, to force Moses to reckon with the fact that each of those names, each of those stories, God was dealing with. Like, he, he's, he, he, these aren't just names on a page, as you said before. God is providentially working through each of their 137 years to bring about the next thing and to bring about the next thing. And it's for each of those people, including Moses, it's for them to not think, okay, where do I fit in in the big, 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 big scheme of things? Mm -hmm. You know, that can, that can, there's, you can open the lens too wide and paralyze yourself. The question today is, the perspective is needed so that I can say right now, God's working. Mm -hmm. God hasn't left me. He hasn't abandoned his plan. He is doing, and now, you know, it just, it's one thing to put yourself in Moses' shoes. It's another thing to reckon with where we are in mm-hmm. redemptive history. Because God, yes, Deuteronomy 7, God saved you out of the house of slavery. Amen. Amazing. Incredible. What has Christ done mm-hmm. for us is infinitely deeper mm-hmm. and richer and, mm-hmm. and more praiseworthy. And, yeah. and Peter picks up on this in, in 1, Peter, is it 1 Peter 3. No, Second Peter two. When he when he's making connections about for you are he he picks up on this very language. And, you know, you read that for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. He's chosen you to be a people of for his treasured possession. That's all language that should click in our ears as yeah. something the apostles picked up on in the New Testament. Well, they're not just 
pulling that out of nowhere. Yeah. They're pointing back this to how something. God deals with his people. And all of the promises, the genealogy listed here, all of the promises. Why did God choose Abraham? What the heck is Moses doing in Egypt and with this whole nonsense? What about jo- uh, Joshua and then David and all this? It's all leading to Christ mm. because Christ is, and this is what's so sweet about us approaching yeah. you know, Advent coming up, we're anticipating a Savior. Yeah. And we get deliverance. It's so sweet that in in the in the darkness of the cold winter, (laughs) we get to think on yes, in the bleakest of times, at the right time, Christ came to save sinners. And as we anticipate that, then we get to turn our eyes, anticipate something even greater as spring comes and Easter comes and the cross comes, and we get to sing those songs and get to rejoice in that. And yeah, it's just sweet. And that's um, you know, if somebody's wondering. In what sense do we look back on genealogies and, mm. and find encouragement? Um, the, the the greatest place to look when we're looking backwards is we look back to the cross, the yes. finished work of Christ. It is finished. He died. He rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. He's ruling and reigning. That's accomplished. And looking back at that, we don't just stand looking that direction. Mm. We still have to you know, look forward and move into the future today with confidence because of God's proven faithfulness at the cross, then we know all of God's promises to us are in Christ, yes, and amen. Mm -hmm. How can God keep his promises to us? Because Christ died for us and he's our righteousness and our sins are forgiven and we have been redeemed. So Mm. turns out it is possible to be affected (laughs) by a passage like this with a a lengthy genealogy. This has been rich. Thank you for helping me work that down into my own mind and, and my heart just by by talking through it. Yeah, it's, um, it is the it is we all need myself in the first case need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God to all generations. Yeah, um, He has kept His promises. He will keep His promises. And, he, and how do we know? Because of Christ. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I'll just add this at the end and maybe try to put this at the beginning next time we, we do one of these episodes, but for those who are listening, you know, the, we think of this, we're not trying to re-preach the text. Right. Greg preached it. Um, we're doing this because we realize we hear it, but we want to be more than hearers of the word. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we work that into our own minds and into our own hearts is, you know, it's like throwing seed down, grass seed, then you go back over with a rake and make sure the dirt's covering it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so right. it's been scattered there, but we, we want it to be, Gotta we want take it to care. work down in there. Yeah. Um, and just this process, hopefully, you know, blesses those who who listen, and then people in our church who are participating in their own discipleship huddles mm-hmm. and practicing this themselves. We we find just talking about it, going back over it. Mm-hmm. It's not that the preaching of it was inadequate, oh. but this is how we receive it yeah. with a view to bear fruit yeah. with this in our lives to God's glory. So that's right. Thank you. This yeah. is good.